I guess I couldn't make co-host today. What do you know? Yeah, it's going to be a historic day. Forget about Bitcoin dumping and whatever Mario's covering on his spaces. You and I are going to co-co-host. It's. I don't think it's ever happened in history. Oh, he's gone. See, I literally just got trolled by either Rand or Spaces the minute that I attempted to break this important uh, news. Yeah, uh, apparently, unfortunately, there was that explosion in Lebanon yesterday and four explosions in Iran today. So Mario is hosting a uh, Spaces. Apparently, actual explosions much more important than crypto explosions. <clears throat> and I think we can all sympathize with that. So uh, just getting everybody up on stage, including Rand here. Uh, Rand, I'm trying. I don't say it says requested. Uh, his, show, his show's speaker on my side. Uh, for me, it shows requested. So God knows what's going on. But he certainly can't speak. Uh, maybe... Uh, Hey guys, the, the, I think the best part maybe about uh, spaces is that you get to see the complete debauchery and disaster that it is in real time at the beginning of every show. Now I'm showing you as a co-host. Yeah, you're here. You, you're you're with us. You're here. Welcome. Look at you. Look at you. Thank you. Thank you. You must have Thank the. You. you must have a nice vacation glow right now. I have a great vacation glow. I've been relaxing. Uh, I mean. To be honest, I'm itching to get back to work, and especially after days like today. Like these are my favorite days. So kind of, like, I thought I'd, I thought I'd jump onto the spaces, even though I'm on vacation. I thought I'd jump onto the spaces and just, you know, have a chat, bro. A three week break. Three week break is big. It's great. It's once it happens once a year. Yeah. So how is the holidays? Everything good? Been amazing. I did stream yesterday. I I just got too bored, and I just I needed to do something, so I went into the stream. Was actually yeah, in the that. biggest stream, the, the biggest stream I've done since 2021. Yeah, I think that was and, the uh, case for me today. I I was blessed by the uh, market gods with volatility and uh, coincidentally with Raul Paul and then Chris, who's here, uh, inks as guests. So obviously these stars aligned pretty well there. So what's the chances that the ETF not getting approved? I mean, I think it's I think this is the biggest load of garbage ever. Kind of glad it's happening though. I mean, I keep yeah, I keep trolling about it on uh, X because it's so dumb, but it's like Bob from accounting told his like, uh, you know, his distant cousin that maybe there was a chance that it wouldn't be approved and they put it into print and someone used that to liquidate a ton, ton of longs. But if you think about it from this, what's called metrics research, metrics sport, what do they call themselves? Matrix, um, matrix port. And this is, which is a platform, uh, a trading yield, everything platform. And then this is their, research wing that uh, puts out this report. Yeah, so if you think about it from their point of view, the, the risk reward here is amazing because you, you come out of the contrarian view. Um, no one knew you before this. Now everybody knows you and they'll probably forget about you, about this mistake that you made. You probably, probably picked up a whole lot of followers. In fact, I've been following them for the last couple of hours. They've picked up, they've picked up like a couple of thousand followers. So I think from their point of view, really cool, a really good, really good move. Um, from a market's point of view, I mean, I'd be very, very, very surprised if the ETF wasn't approved, but let's just maybe spend a couple of minutes talking about like, what if the ETF isn't approved? Like, well, I mean, James is here I by believe- the way. So Jay, we've got our resident expert, everyone's resident expert, but go ahead. So we can ask him, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think there's no chance that the, the SEC doesn't approve the, this ETF. I think if they did, 
uh, I mean, you, you, I don't think that in the history of ETFs, you could take so many companies down the garden path, make them, give them crazy deadlines to amend filings before the holidays, uh, go to court, uh, get called uh, uh, capricious and what's the other fancy word that the judge used? Arbitrary and, and then, capricious. Arbitrary and yeah, capricious. Arbitrary, arbitrary and capricious. I just don't believe that you could do that and then still decline the, idiot, the ETFs. I just, I just cannot imagine, even in the SEC's world, I cannot imagine a world where that happens. And I, I mean, when I say even in the SEC's world, like, I don't believe, you know, I think the SEC are the lowest of the low. And even in the, in the world of the lowest in the low, I don't think this could happen. But yeah, Meta Law, yeah, Meta Law Man had a tweet about it today. James Murphy, who you know obviously has been on here, is back on X finally after a long hiatus. If the SEC were to deny all spot Bitcoin ETFs, the applicants would immediately sue, and the DC Court of Appeals would again rule that the SEC was arbitrary and capricious. The SEC gave every reason they had for denying Grayscale and lost. I expect multiple approvals on January 10th. I mean, James, we should go go to you on on this. Obviously, Eric, uh, your colleague Beltunis, very quickly tweeted. I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, but I've asked him for sources, you know, something to that effect. And we've seen nothing to uh, contradict it. I mean, this is a guy's opinion. And listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with them, him having opinion and putting it in research. But if you actually read the research report, his premise was basically that there's too many Democrats on the, in the SEC. <laughs> that was literally it. But James, are you seeing anything here that shakes uh, your confidence in any way, shape or form? I saw it at first and I was like, oh, okay, I should look at this. And then I've looked at it since and obviously, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, there's nothing in here that we haven't already, I haven't already dissected something that we haven't already looked at. Like, this is basically bringing up things that we're all looking at. They said they talk about Coinbase not potentially being a market of significant size, which is something we were, I was writing about in, in August and, and July, to be quite frank. So, I mean, this just felt like they were just trying to put out, put it out there and, Kind of what Rand was saying, like they'll look like uh, geniuses if they ultimately are denied. Look, we, we don't think that's going to happen. Um, the, there are ways that things could potentially be kicked down the road a little bit, but I even think those are very unlikely, right? Um, and at the end of the day, they could still approve these things next week. And if they really weren't ready for them to launch, there are ways where they can hold them off for weeks, which other people have been saying. Now, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I do think that we will see these things trading um, this month, uh, likely within a few weeks. Um, but like, there are other ways than just flat out denying. Which, again, as Meta Lawman said, and you just highlighted, like they'd end up back in the DC Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, and the courts would likely rule the same way that they just ruled for Grayscale. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're st we're still pretty confident that the we think the approval is going to happen. We're looking at Gen eight to Gen ten still, like we have been since the beginning of December. Uh, so nothing in this is like there. Were, I thought I was going to see something in here that was like, oh, okay, that might change. That might change things a little bit. But there's nothing new in here. Why are we even taking these guys seriously? Just remind me again. Like, just, We're not, just I don't just, think we are. Please just I, remind me why anybody is taking yeah. these guys seriously. Have they ever published a, a report? This is a PR tactic. This is a PR tactic. It's it's a PR tactic and the fact it's being taken seriously because, listen, we all know the facts, right? Uh, everybody, we were talking about it on Spaces yesterday. Annualized funding rates yesterday were 66% interest to be long. It was a, basically as expensive as it's ever been to be long as of yesterday. OI was piled up. Everybody was long. Everybody was leveraged. And if you saw this move, 
It took five minutes, 10 minutes to liquidate 500 million effectively in longs from this market. This was a liquidation cascade happens every single time. And because that news was used as the excuse, even though it had nothing to do with it, now it's getting widely reported because look what this guy said, the market dumped, it must be viable or real. It's so stupid. It hurts my brain. I will continue to mock it relentlessly uh, because it's just dumb. You have experts like James who are literally talking to these people day in, day out. We have Matt Siegel here from Vanek. I want to hear your opinion on this, obviously, as well. Vanek, hashtags, uh, Bitwise, you guys are spending money running. What's up, man? You're running Bitcoin commercials right now, obviously in anticipation of an approval and we're sitting here talking about matrix port saying there's too many Democrats on the SEC. Yeah, I mean, if you read the headline of their report, it's completely different from the text of the report, right? So it's it's clearly written to drum up some volatility at the beginning of the year when there's often a mean reversion trade to play when last year's winners tend to underperform. As you noted, funding rates were extremely high. And there's like a four or five day air pocket here where, you know, that that is just back to work. They don't work weekends. They don't work after 5 p.m. So all the docs that were submitted on Friday, you know, are just bound to be looked at today, tomorrow. They've got pencil pushing to do. And in the meantime, you know, Matrix Sports sees an opportunity to sell some volatility. And, you know, I don't I don't I think that they're a legitimate organization. I think Marcus is a good analyst and they've done good work on the cycle and the long term outlook for for Bitcoin. I think their price target is still 150K. So I, I don't think we should read too much into this besides some short term fall. Uh, we haven't seen anything to indicate that there are going to be rejections. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, not, from, a, from a fundamentals point of view, nothing's changed. I think it was one bad report. But then if you look at the was a one bad report, one contrarian, one contrarian report. It's not even <laughs> bad, by the way. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he was yeah, right. Look, I mean, report. sentiment was one way, right? Funding rates were too high and everyone was piled into the same trade. Yesterday, we're all talking about a sell the news event. Well, it's good to get the selling out of the way on a report that has very little meat to it. So I, I bought the dip this morning. Yeah, Rand, I, I was actually talking with Chris Inks. 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago on YouTube. And Chris, you basically said the same thing when talking about the actual price action and a reset. Like, wouldn't you rather get, your point was, wouldn't you rather get a Bitcoin spot ETF approval with leverage and funding rates down, everything liquidated at a slightly lower price than have it when everything's massively overbought, over leveraged, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, like I think somebody's mentioned it's been like the most over leveraged we've been in, you know, in quite a while and um man, you, you know, if if you need a narrative if if you know, if your narrative for price going up is the ETF thing, then you know, basically this is kind of what you wanted to see. You wanted to see all this leverage kind of getting flushed out. You wanted to see all these um the resets there on that uh on your time frames and on your different time frames and that way you've got room to run. Um and so, I mean, it, it doesn't guarantee, obviously, that that the ETFs are going to get approved or whatnot. But, man, I'll tell you, you know, if, if that's what you're looking for, you got room to run now. I agree. I think yeah, that's a, it's, a healthy, I agree. it's a healthy flash out. I also think if, if you think about it, you got to think of the, of, of the market, of the bull market in cycles. And the first 
the first cycle, or let's not say the first or second, but this cycle in the bull market was that the ET, the will the ETF get approved trade? Now we're at the end of the cycle because you know the the clock, the the clock has run out on this cycle, and you know in the next week the the ETF is either approved or not approved, with a very 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 small chance of it being kicked down the road. And so what you have to do is you have to deleverage this trade, and then you have to move on to the next trade. And the next trade looks very different. Now I tweeted earlier and I said, like, you know, this is the end of the is the ETF going to be approved trade? And you know, there's one of three outcomes: one, it gets approved; two, it doesn't get a, it gets declined; or three, it gets kicked down the road. Very, very low chance for some administrative reason. And then the, the leverage for that trade has to be cleared. And then we go into leverage for the next part of the of the, the cycle. Now the next part of the cycle could be. Uh, how much money will flow into the ETF and how quickly? That's 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 one option. The other option is it could be the Solana's futures ETF trade. The other option it could be the ETH ETF trade. So it's just you know in the bull market we're going to get cycles. Cycles are going to be driven by narratives. People trade into the narrative, and when the narrative comes to an end, the trade has to come to an end as well. And that's exactly what's happening here. Now we're out of this. To I I I I, I don't want to say it, but 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 I'm going to say it anyway. I think that we're still going to get another little flash before the ETF. I think there's a lot of nerves in this market. This has been a very, very, very long cycle without a correction. And therefore, I think that the, it's, it's quite tightly coiled. And I think that what's going to happen is we're going to get another something happen to, to release some more nerves. And I think a lot more people are going to panic. And then we're going to get back to, to normal leverage. Now, let me give you an idea of, of when I say normal leverage. So, I'm giving you the leverage on all alt, on all coins excluding Bitcoin and ETH. Now that to me is the biggest sign of leverage because it's it's the altcoin degen leverage. The level of that leverage was at 15 this morning before the crash. It was at 15 billion. The previous high was in December 2021, and it was 13.4 billion. The normalized levels of of last year we're around 5 billion and where we are now is at about 9.5 billion. So we're double so we're flush we're 6 of the 15. We're flush 6 of the 15. We're still double what we were the whole of last year. And and the peak which was which was really 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 a peak was in 2021. Uh, it was the the peak of the bull market. I remember that Luna was at $100 or something at, at that point and that was uh, at 13 and a half billion. So just giving you like perspective of where we're at, we still have 9.5 billion uh, of this leverage, of this kind of leverage in the system. And so I, I still think that there's got to be a little bit more of a flush. I probably need to get it down to, you know, if you want to reset the cycle, you probably want to get it down to six or seven billion. We're a 9.6, we're a 9.6 billion. So it needs to go down to seven billion. Yeah, I'm just looking right now at funding. I mean, it's down almost even now with some exchanges showing predictive funding going negative in the next period. So this did at least uh, reset the funding, it, it looks like. Uh, I'm seeing Bitcoin OI weighted funding rate at 0. 0.0059. That's negligible. Accumulate ETH at, uh, going the other way. Uh, and predicted negative uh, 0.015. Best case scenario, we get another shakeout. And I, I mean, I hate to say it because I don't know if people don't want to shake out, but best case scenario, we get another shakeout. The next shakeout should be a little bit scarier. It should, because remember, to shake the leverage from 10, from 15 down to 10, 
That's easy. To shake the, the 10 down to, to 7 is much harder because that's, that's stronger hands. And I think the best case scenario now is we want this leverage out. Um, and then we can start the new cycle, which you know needs to start in the next week or so because the new cycle literally starts. This cycle was the ETF trade. The new cycle is the new narrative. And if you want to start the new narrative on a clean slate with all the old cycles, uh, uh, the old cycles leverage out, we need another little shakeout, whatever that shakeout is. It's pretty interesting that we got back up to basically all time, all time highs for funding rates, but yet leverage in the system was, as you noted, 50% of prior levels. So like all the lenders went bankrupt, right? On chain, there are very few ways to get leverage without even worse counterparty. See it yesterday, CleanSpark announced, this is a Bitcoin miner, and they announced that they're setting up their own crypto trading desk. Like, I don't love that move, right? Because when oil and gas set up these trading companies, they, they trade for very low multiples. It's a black box. You're putting your balance sheet at risk. But I think it's an indication that there's just no place to get leverage in the system. And so they're going to do it themselves. And we'll see if this ETF becomes a vehicle whereby leverage is created in the TradFi system with the end result being buying more Bitcoin. And then it wouldn't show up in TVL. You wouldn't see that on chain. It'll happen through the TradFi rails. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Um, Kelly, I saw that you actually had tweeted also about this just simply being an open interest flush effectively, right? I mean, that's so, so you share the opinion that there's nothing really nefarious or out of the order. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it looks like a, currently an open interest flush. That doesn't mean, you know, to, to Rand's point, uh, I agree. I still think there's going to be a move to the downside. We've seen in, all, uh, you know, the previous two halving cycles, uh, a drop of 40% or more uh, before the halving. And then right into the 2016, uh, 2015, 2016 halving, we ended up getting, uh, you know, a run up into the halving and then a sell off of about 20%, a little consolidation. And then that finalized at about a 40, 43% or so pullback in the 2018, 2019 halving. We ended up dropping around 53, 55%. Before we even got the, the black swan event that, you know, ultimately saw, uh, an even larger pullback. So regardless of, even if we cut out the black swan thing, I think that there's still that the narrative flush that I think needs to happen. And even regardless of the news, the matrix thing, I, you know, I don't know if people are just support using that, uh, you know, as an excuse for the price drop. But if, if you're looking at the structure on the chart, I was looking for a, a pullback anyway yesterday to come down and test that that uh, resistance that we had just broken out of on that on that uh, on that triangle pattern that we had or the bull flag whatever you want to call it. Um, but we're just right now back in that range, so I think right now is sort of a no trade sort of zone to see what which direction the narrative wants to take it. And we still have the CME gap directly below us. Ren, I, I want to dig in more. You, you you keep saying that the ETF approval trade is done, and now we need the new narrative. What's the new narrative? Right? Is, are we moving on to the having, or is it something ETF related in your mind? Just yeah, one sec. Let's just quickly talk about this 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 haunting CME gap. There is that CME gap at thirty nine thousand six hundred. Um, usually, all the CME gaps are filled. I think that that's the next. Uh, the, I think if you want to ask, when does this? correction end and how do we flash out the leverage let's just close that cme gap just for the sake of of uh, of coming full circle on the charts let's just close the cme gap and then that'll probably shake out the leverage to 7 billion instead of the 9.5 that we're on and then there's really no more frost in the system um 
and, and that's the yeah i mean that's kind of like what i'm looking at let's we can talk about um uh new narratives so i think the 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 most logical new narrative is going to be east we're seeing a lot of signs around the fact that east is the next narrative we're seeing the, so east hasn't moved much it's the most hated trade of of the year um if we look at the ETH ecosystem, though, if you look at Arbitrum and Optimism, Arbitrum and Optimism have been absolutely, absolutely incredible the last couple of, of weeks. Uh, Arbitrum touched $2 earlier today. Um, just to give you an idea, it was at $0.77. Cents. Uh, give me, let, me, let me give you some timings here. So it was at $0.76 cents in 23rd of October. It hit $2 today after, you know, ETH hasn't even started moving. Optimism also started moving very quickly. So what this is pointing to is it's pointing to the fact, which kind of makes logical sense, that maybe the next narrative is ETH. Uh, Raul Paul made a tweet and he said, you know, the last time Bitcoin was at 44,000, uh, uh, ETH was at like 1,250. Now Bitcoin's back at 44,000, ETH at 2,250. Right. So I think it kind of makes sense that the next narrative is actually ETH. It doesn't really excite me and doesn't, you know, but yeah, you know, I've been have, screaming that for like six months. People have been calling me crazy. I've been writing newsletters about it, mentioning it on yeah. streams. I think that, that that lag is, regardless of what you think of it, I mean, I think that lag is an opportunity and not an indictment of anything being think, like, largely wrong with it. I think that, like, look, I, I went to lunch today. I went out to lunch today. And at lunch, there was in, like the nursing home had also gone out for lunch. And you could see they were really excited about the fact that ETH was about to pump. Like, they were like really excited. It doesn't excite me at all, but I mean, a lot of people are excited about this ETH narrative that, that that's about to happen. Um, I think we've had a Solana summer, Solana winter, whatever you want to call it. it just, we had a Solana summer, which kind of ran into winter. We've just had a Cosmos, or I don't know if we're starting or in the middle of a Cosmos uh, summer. Um, I think that this, there's a Solana, Solana Futures ETF probably next on the cards, kind of makes logical sense. So there's a lot of great narratives to be to be um, uh, talking about, but I, I do think that the, I do think that the next one is is going to be is going to be East. Unfortunately, oh, fortunately, unfortunately, I, 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 the only place I that I get paused there is that is it logical to get a Solana a futures ETF next? Why do you why do you believe that? Because at least Bitcoin we know is not a security. Ethereum, you know, there's uh, the doubt, but Gary won't say it. I think going any further down that curve, certainly with this administration, is is almost hold laughable. Hold on, why can't you have an ETF of something that is a security? In fact, most ETFs are. Uh, ETFs I'm just saying with this, I'm not saying they can't be a security. I'm saying the SEC, I mean, they've named Solana as a unregistered security in, in That's these great. previous suits. And That's great. You can still have an ETF on a, on a security, can't you? Well, then you need the CME same, to lift. By the same you agency? You need the CME to list yeah. the futures contract. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I, think pretty, I think pretty logically that's the next thing. I mean, look, we could maybe... We could I just think it's further down. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying next, I guess, time frame, because I think that's next administration to even talk about that. But that, that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of narratives. I mean, you, you know, like maybe we're a little bit early for the election narrative, but that's narrative that, that you know, that's an, that could be the next trade. It's maybe a bit early. I think that, you know, 11 months is a long time for a, for a trade. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of narratives here that, that, could, that could take us quite bullish. 
So quickly, just because we have uh, two particular guests here, there's two other topics I want to talk about that aren't necessarily on the docket. We have Clint here, obviously, crypto tax fixer. Uh, and Clinton, you, uh, I want to talk about, I don't even have it in front of me, but I've been seeing, I don't know how substantiated, I know that it's in there, but obviously this mention of the new law that went into effect two days ago, effectively saying that if you receive $10,000 or more in crypto as a United States citizen, that you have to somehow report that, including social security number, information about the sender within 15 days to the IRS, as if any average person literally knows how to report something to the IRS, or you could be charged with a felony. And then, Thomas, I, I do want to talk about what's happening with the FTX claims and such. But, Clint, first, I, I just saw you here and thought, man, we need to get to the bottom of this. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Scott. That is That information put out is, is true, but it's been posting on Twitter in a very misleading fashion. So this is part of uh, the anti-money laundering law. Shocker. The, you know, already today, just so everybody knows, that if a business receives $10,000 or more in cash and one or more transactions during a year, it has to report uh, to the government who it was that gave it to them. And, and you're all kind of familiar with a similar law. When you travel through the airports, if you're carrying more than 10000 in cash, you have to report it. It's the same sort of thing. It's an anti-money laundering law. It's not a a tax. There's no tax involved, but if you don't report it, you can be penalized. Now, that they implemented this law to apply also to companies that receive uh, $10,000 or more in, during a year in worth of cryptocurrencies. You have to fill, they, those companies have to file it out. This does not apply to individuals, right? So if you and I trade currencies for whatever reason, that's not anything that has to be reported. So just this is just companies and it's companies receiving payments in cryptocurrency in exchange for products and services. So uh, I think that really the, the, the post that went out there didn't make it clear that it applied only to companies. It really only applies to traditional I think he actually said it applied to individuals. I think he actually said it even applied to individuals. Yeah, I think he not only did it not imply it, I think he explicitly said individuals and companies. Hey, Clinton, I, I wanted to ask you about that because I'm familiar with the CTR stuff for the $10,000 in, in you know, fiat currency reports. But is, the, is there any difference or change on the 15-day reporting uh, requirement of a potential felony charge or is that new for the crypto? No, it's, it's parallel to what's happening with cash. It's really no difference. So it's basically, and this is something we're seeing across the board, by the way, and I think we'll see like with wash sale rules and such, it's basically the IRS catching up with things that are already laws for all markets that they're just explicitly now finally saying, yeah, by the way, crypto bros, this applies to you too. Yeah, I was on a space last night with uh, Garrett Cardone, and he made some pretty good points about this, suggesting that we're all up in arms about this. And in reality, these type of regulations are really just further codification of Bitcoin and crypto moving into the space that it needs to. And regulation is needed. And the fact that these things are being implemented actually speaks volumes about where we're at in the space. That's a very good point. And rather than uh, the government or administration implementing a comprehensive set of crypto laws, they're basically doing with incrementalism. And we're seeing a lot of parallelism with cash and how cryptos are reported, including FBAR reports, uh, foreign bank account reports, uh, and, and these sorts of transactions. And it's all part of moving into a regulated uh, crypto environment. 
And I know that scares a lot of people, especially from a privacy rights point of view and that sort of thing. But banks and everybody are collecting this information and exchanging it already. It's, I mean, as discomforting as it might feel, it's already happening. Um, and it's worked okay in the cash environment. In the crypto environment, I think what we're ultimately going to see is people are going to start to move towards a regulated and non-regulated manner of, of, of work trading with their cryptocurrencies. But ultimately, the regulated space is, is going to become a larger envi environment over time. Just for example, with these ETFs, it's, it's a big move into regulated crypto trading. Yeah, and Clinton, I mean, at the end of the day, my assumption is that if you are an American citizen, just report your transactions and pay your taxes. Right. Oh, that's, that's so big. Scott, I got a tweet yesterday from a guy. He said his tax attorney and accountant told him that there's no laws that require the reporting of cryptocurrency. And he wanted to know what I thought. It's on the first it. page of the it's on the first page now of your tax filing, like first line. Do you own or have you traded? I know. You, you, I, you know, I told him I, I have saying, clients that have come to me because they've been they've, they've spent time in prison for not reporting their cryptocurrencies. Oh, yeah. You know, the, basically, it's an asset. You have to report it like every other asset, although there is some some gray areas. And, and you know, I, I think I'm pretty sure on this, but uh, I've just been uh, careful throughout the years with crypto. But it still shocks me that there's a lot of people out there that think that if they're trading between Bitcoin and Solana or whatever crypto to crypto, a lot of people still believe that they don't need to pay taxes until they convert it to fiat, which is just a, a minefield they're stepping in because every every trade between an, any different asset is a taxable event. You know, that is still I, I, 2017. I, I always say, I always say, if you want to, if you want to uh, evade your taxes, evade your taxes on anything that's not crypto. Because you know, I don't know, I don't know how it works in 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 in, in other countries, but in, in in some countries or in South Africa specifically, uh, you got to keep your tax records for five years. You know, like there's a mandatory law that says you have to have your tax records for five uh, years. Seven here, yes. Whatever, whatever it is. But with crypto, the problem is that the, ta that the records are kept forever, whether you like it or not. So even after the five years, you can't breathe a sigh of relief and say, you know, well, you know, like they can't come after me because the records will be there forever. So if you, you know, if you evaded your taxes in crypto 10 years ago and, and a smart uh, agent at the IRS gets hold of the, you know, your, your, and can track back your, your, your address, that's it. You're going to pay. I mean, they've got records for the last 10 years. And it's not even like the old days where they had to dig through files of paperwork. It's one piece of software where they press one button and it just generates a PL. Yeah, and that software is going to catch up, right? So to, to your points, uh, eventually they are going to be able to just push a button, run everybody's wallets, figure out exactly what they theoretically owed and what they paid. And then we're, you know, so I would say it's time to get on top of all, all those taxes. But Clinton, you definitely, I think, put a lot of people's minds at ease, certainly mine. Um, because like I said, I wouldn't even know how to, I don't think your average person would even know how to go about reporting to the IRS, right? <laughs> Just, uh, that, that's not an easy thing to do. You can't even get, you can't even get them on the phone if you need to talk about your taxes. Go ahead. So here, here's a funny sort of thought uh, based on what Rand just said and you too, Scott. Do you think it's going to be something where they're going to use uh, crypto, you know, basically individual tax records to identify uh, companies that are allowing leverage trading uh, around the laws, not necessarily persecuting the person, but using them to target uh, large institutions that are allowing that? I mean, they're starting to do that already. I don't know if you, you've heard, we think, um, we speculate that, you know, Coinbase has been getting subpoenas about their customers that traded on Bybit. 
Um, and I, I think what they're trying to find out is which which American customers got money, were trading on Bybit, which they were they weren't allowed to trade on Bybit, and then moving money into Coinbase. And so, like, like you know, I think that that's the first thing. I think the second thing that you got to remember about the United States is that the United States has an amazing, amazing, amazing legal system. Um, and people in the United States don't understand how amazing their legal system actually is. But when you come from another country which has a normal legal system um, and you see what goes on in the United States, the United States, the way they do things is they create so many laws that they've always got you for something. And then it's just a case of when do they want to uh, enforce, right? So like when you live in the United States, you break, because there's so many laws, more, more laws than any other country. You break, I don't know, hundreds of laws every single day without even like, you wake up in the morning, you breathe through the wrong nostril first, you've broken a law in the United States. It's just a case of when they want, it's just a case of when they want to prosecute you. And then, they, and then they just switch on the switch. That, that's, so I think this is just another one of those laws. Um, it's just another one of these laws that they've got that if they ever want to catch you out for something, you know, like, well, 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 you know, like, I mean, let's talk about CZ for a second, right? And listen, I agree that CZ maybe didn't do everything by the book, but I, I don't think that, that, I think if he wasn't so big and he didn't grow that so fast and he didn't threaten the incumbents and he didn't threaten the banking system, I don't think he would have been prosecuted for, uh, for, for, the, for the moves that he, for, for what he had done. But, you know, you know how it is. They, they had him for a thousand things and then they got him into a corner and said, okay, we need to make an example, bang, let's just flip a switch. And that, that's how the U.S. legal system works. Well, you should assume that that settlement with CZ, that uh, part of that involved finance turning over all their transaction records for U.S. citizens to the, to the IRS. Yeah, so next week, so next week I'll be hosting, so next week I'll be hosting this show alone because uh, Scott won't be here anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I will say this, oh, when it comes uh, yes. to people who haven't been reporting, you know, one year you didn't report, then you find out the next year you should have, and you're like, oh, you know, what do I do? You know, and then the next year comes around, and you don't file again, and, and you get into this spiraling down hole that you can't get out of, and it just gets to be a bigger and bigger problem. And if anybody's like that, they should contact our company, and, you know, we can have a consultation, and we can help people get back into a place where they can feel safe again without bankrupting themselves. I uh, I can I can vouch for CryptoTaxOrbit.com. Listen, I, I like I, I can really really vouch for them. So, um, yeah, just just honestly, like, and I say this again, like I don't live in the US, but if I did live in the US, the one place I wouldn't mess with the taxes, I wouldn't mess with the crypto taxes. Mess with your taxes on on all your cash transactions because those are 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 very difficult to pick up. But uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't mess with with anything to do with blockchain because if they track your address. It's literally one piece of software and I will catch you up. Or you'll just have to spend endless resources and time defending it, even if you're right. Right, Clinton? Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Um, Andrew, I saw you jumped up. I didn't know if you had a specific feeling uh, about this conversation. Otherwise, I, I, I do want to ask Thomas. Uh, What's going on with FTX? We've obviously seen this massive Solana move to the upside. We know that uh, FTX made a couple investments. Is there really a chance here? And now we're seeing news that maybe this takes years, which I think we expect. Maybe you just give us a very quick update on what's happening with uh, the FTX bankruptcy now since it's still. Yeah, sure. Can you hear me okay? Uh-oh. You're good. You're good. Okay. Let me. I just turned off my Wi-Fi. Is that any better? No, you're good, man. You're good. Go ahead. 
Uh oh. We can hear you. Can you guys can, hear we, him? We can, can hear, hear we, we, we can hear you, Thomas. The moment I try to talk. Um, I just want to make sure you can hear me before I start, before I start talking. Can we give me I'm just give a thumbs up just in case you can oh, hear good, us. Good, yeah. good. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, hey, how are you guys? Thanks for having me up. Yeah, I mean, the estate's moving along pretty quickly. Uh, FTX um, is, you know, of, of course, looking like it could be close to 100, 100% repay on the uh, petition date values. Uh, yeah, Solana moving is great. We don't have as much color. People have some on-chain stuff, some off-chain. There's lots of rumors around how much was sold, how much lock Solana was sold, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's all looking good for creditors. I know everybody on a crypto basis, if you're a Solana holder, isn't crazy about getting dollarized at $16, $17 uh, US dollars just per Solana. But, I mean, that was kind of always going to happen. That doesn't mean... But wait, I need Solana to understand rate. something. I need yeah, to that understand happened to Voyager. Yeah. But I... I I want to understand something. So, so, if, so hold on. If the if the estate gets back like a hundred percent, so let's say FTX owed five billion and they get back over five billion, and I had a Solana in in I had my my claim against FTX was ten Solana on the day of the crash, which was equal to one hundred and sixty dollars or whatever it is, right? Does that mean that I'm getting back ten Solana? Does that mean that I'm getting back one hundred and sixty dollars? Does that w- w- what am I getting back? You're getting back the dollar. You, you you get a claim for the initial petition date value of that. So let's say you had a, a million dollars worth of Solana, um, and at the petition date values. So the first order of business is for you to get back that dollarized petition date value. And then under the bankruptcy code, there are a few other ways potentially to get more of the upside. Um, there's potentially to get what's called post-petition interest, or basically interest on your account of your claim. And like in Mt. Gox's case, actually, the creditors did get the crypto uplift. But, you know, Mt. Gox is a very different time and crypto ran a lot harder. I mean, when Mt. Gox filed, it was only Bitcoin and Bitcoin was at $483 um, was petition date value. So everybody got dollarized in the same way, but they called it date claim value. But I can give you some color on that. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I mean, just giving color from what happened with Voyager, I can't say it will be exactly the same. But we got effectively what they called a 36% uh, payback, right? Uh, which was 36% of the value in July of 2022 when the, right. when the platform collapsed. So it wasn't 36% of the value of the tokens at that time. So okay. it, was actually 20, it was actually 24% of the current market value when we got paid back. And now so, that the market's gone so the up, it's like goes, 14%. So goes, it's like 14%. The then, so what, does the balance then go back to the equity holders? That's so here we go. Saying, Rand, very good are you question. saying that if there's a leftover money, that's, that SBF will actually get the money? Well, there are a lot of creditors between customers and SBF, but... It's it's possible that people further down the wall, including the IRS. Well, there's the IRS isn't the IRS first in line. Not not necessarily. I mean, technically, yes, an IRS claim is usually a priority claim that comes up before all unsecured claimants. But there are a lot of people that are probably Alameda creditors that claims might try to claim secure status for their loans, um, but they're still behind customers because they're in the Alameda silo, not in the FTX silo. And FTX money was basically stolen to Linda Alameda for trading. So you have to think about the silos in addition to the priority. 
because within each priority you'll have si- within each silo you have priorities you have that same priority matrix you're talking about of that priority waterfall and the irs is technically first potentially if they have a claim on alameda or fdx but uh the estate's basically chipping away and the state's position right now is that the irs claim is likely zero or close to zero um they just didn't have books and records to be able to support the claim of zero and you know part of what john random has to do which is very expensive is you have to have real books and records they have to rebuild the entire financial system of the company so that they can be able to say that that's a zero claim or close to zero claim, even if it's a $500 million claim. So, but you but look, right, I do right. know I mean, it could go to lower people in the low totem pole, including people that are associated with SBF. But I mean, you know, if someone works at Paradigm or someone works at Sequoia and they wrote a $300 million check in the FTX and they're way down the waterfall, you know, can you, I don't think you can necessarily say they were in cahoots with Sam, right? So, you like to think that I know what I'm going to be in my next. Creditors. I know what I'm going to be in my next life. At least I know I know exactly what I'm going to be in my next life. I'm going to be a, a liquidator. I'm going to be John Ray, bro. One point one point five billion dollars. One point. How, how much has he built already? I mean, I think it's probably six hundred plus. Is like all the state professionals, yeah, I, maybe five hundred. Wasn't I didn't wasn't there an article that came out that there was like a billion plus already? I don't think it's a billion plus already. I could be wrong. I'd have to go and check numbers. Maybe they're on a run rate to do a billion, um, which is entirely possible. I mean, Lehman and I think, uh, let's see, what's another one that was over a billion? Both Lehman and I think uh, Madoff was over a billion. It's a very similar setup. Um, and I'm sure Enron was close there, although, you know, you have to take into account inflation. Um Look, so I, 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 think- I, I, I got a question regarding all this because I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to be getting money back. What, what, what are the taxable implications for this? Like when you get this back, if it's, is it already written off from before? Or do you have to pay tax on the, the full amount minus, minus the, the difference in what you didn't get back? How, how does that work? Well, this would be, a, I, I can give you uh, like a non-tax uh, response. And then if the tax guy's still up here, maybe we can have him chime in. But there are some special rules around like uh, write-offs, um, especially when it has to do with write-offs due to fraud. Um, and then uh, generally speaking, you know, if you, you have a basis, right, your basis is like your, your, your original amount and then you have some recovery. And uh, like in very simple terms, you know, you just that if it's in taxable event, you just take your original basis times what you recovered. There is some arguments in Mt. Gox, some creditors there. They put in Bitcoin. They got back less Bitcoin. They're claim they're trying to claim that there was no taxable event because it's an in kind distribution. You have to talk to your own tax people. And I'd be wondering what the tax guy would say. Clinton, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. I love what your thoughts are. If there's in kind distributions, whether that be a taxable event. I mean, no, not not tax advice for me at all. I don't know if Clinton wants to preface it as well. But well, uh, two answers to that. One is. Uh, Anything that's given in kind, the tax implications are interpreted in terms of the fair market value in U.S. dollars. So you know that you'd have to think it through that mm. way. But typically, with an FTX claim, what we did for our clients, and of course, it, there was basically what's called a, the Bernie Madoff provision, where if somebody got indicted as a result of a fraud, uh, then you're able to write off uh, between 75 and 95 percent of that as of the money that you put into it, not its value, but the money that you put into it you can claim that as a write-off in the year that it happened. So for FTX people, uh, a lot of my clients who had money in there, they were able to claim a write-off already of 75 to 95% based on whether or not there's been a you know 
in this case, a, a, a distribution. So that, and then, now, and then now you go yeah. forward a couple of years, like let's say 2024, now you get a payout. You basically have to reconcile right. that. Did you get, is that a net gain or net loss and you pay uh, or get a, you have a capital gain or loss on that transaction? Right. Your basis would be zero then, right? Or close to zero, whatever your write-off you took. Well, let's say in this case for FTX, because there is an attempt to get, there's a, a legal action to get the money back, you could only write off 75%. So for every dollar, you know, mm. when it happened was that 22, you could have written off 75 cents of that, which means 30, 25% of your basis still remains. So it's not zero basis, it's 25% basis. So now you get a payout. Right. If, right. The ba if what you get paid out is uh, 30%, or 30 cents on the dollar, you've already got a basis of 25 cents on the dollar. So you're really experiencing a gain of 5% in that situation, which is generally a gain because you only put in 25 cents and you're getting 30 cents right. back. Or it might be a loss if it's the other way around for a person. But it's, yeah. it's relative. Yeah, there are a lot of international. Just to, uh, just to jump in here and say, I can't believe Bitcoin's already back at 43,500. These one day dips are like. Let's go. The, Rand, the reason why it's back at 43,500 is about nine minutes ago, Eleanor at Fox Business just put out a post that the SEC is uh, having meetings with the exchanges about finalizing comments on the on the spot Bitcoin ETF. So, you know, the story by the block earlier today, I don't want to cast serious dispersions, but pretty clickbaity and uh uh, you know, just seeing it for what it is, there's there's no slowing down here. The SEC is moving forward. Yeah. Um, the reason it's back up, Andrew, is because there was no reason for it to be down. Agreed. Except for leverage, agreed. and the leverage is gone. So it's Agreed there. Agreed there. But now we've got, you know, the truth about actually what's going on, which should be obvious to most people. But, well, uh, yeah, interesting Rand, morning, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, I the just to finish your can – I, can I finish answering your question, which is – there have been different cases around the world where the upside, the, the like, call it post-petition, because when you file a bankruptcy, and especially in America, it's referred to as a bankruptcy petition. So like that post-petition uplift in value, like who gets it? And there's been lots of squabbles over it over the years. And the main arguments in FTX are, well, hang on, like the terms of service say that title never changes hands. So this is not a state property so that we should get the uplift in value, which is a decent argument. It's that it has to be made and actually articulated with real expensive attorneys in court of law, not just like us on Twitter spaces, but it's a decent argument. Uh, the other one is like, oh, it's just inequitable for like the equity holders to get like a huge recovery, like for Sam to get a, like, let's say that Bitcoin runs to 100,000 and like uh, Genesis Digital, which is like their big crypto holding and, you know, everything, it's like a 200% repay. And so what, Sam's going to get a check in, in jail for like $10 billion? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, so there'll be equitable arguments against the big windfall for equity holders. That doesn't mean there'll be people down the waterfall that won't try to make really articulate arguments and hire very expensive counsel, as you've already seen in notice of appearances this week in the docket. But uh, in that food fight, once you start getting really, really high recoveries, you, it, in almost every bankruptcy, you will get like a, a total food fight over the spoils. Um, and even the estate professionals, I mean, no offense to them, but you will start seeing you know, padded hours. I mean, you know, why not? There's a hundred percent repay, like well, who, who loses? Uh, so, you know, I, from a crypto perspective, it doesn't seem very fair, but I think if there is a huge, like a huge overflow or excess or surplus of funds, there will be lots of arguments against equity, like keeping all that. But that doesn't mean that like Sequoia won't get their 300 million back or that like Paradigm won't get their 300 million back or whatever these people pumped into the company um, because they have liquidation preferences in their 
in their investment agreements, I'm pretty sure. And so, you know, they'll show up to court with their lawyers and try to get that at least allowed claim before creditors get that upside lift. Yeah, I know it doesn't seem like it, but with this broken process, if the retail creditors get back the value of their portfolio at that time, which sucks, it would be a huge win. <laughs> Sadly, it's better than everybody else has done. Yeah. Scott, I'm going to so, uh, go watch a sunset on the beach. My family's killing me for working on vacation. So I love you, man. <laughs> yeah, we, we can, we can, we can wrap. We, we, we had the uh, Bitcoin crash of this morning that uh, we were able to talk about. We're already you know more than halfway back. So I think uh, we can wrap and wait for Mario, hopefully, to come back uh, tomorrow. Um, and uh, we can all get, get in this together. Are you going to be back tomorrow, I'll Rand? Back, or I'll be back on Monday. Monday. I'll, be back, for, I'll, I'll awesome. be back officially on Monday. So we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Can't stay away. All right, everyone. Thank you. Go ahead and wrap. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Thanks for having us. Everybody have a good day.